no Brewers last night. Here's the thing, though. A doubleheader starting today. And with that doubleheader, you have Freddie Peralta going on the mound for the first game. That first pitch is at uh, 120, I do believe. And then in the second game, Rowdy, who is pitching? Right now, it's expected to be Aaron Ashby. Aaron Ashby. Give us the. Is this the guy that got lit up before? Correct. This is the guy like that gave like uh, seven runs in the first inning. Yeah, who's got an ERA at currently at fifty four. He was he was the one that he's actually one of their higher ranked starting pitching uh, prospects. He made his debut what, the, like two months ago. Yeah, it was it was in June. And he got uh, annihilated. Oh, that's when the he pitched against the Cubs. It was seven to nothing in the first inning, right? And then the Brewers came back to win. Like, yeah, that's when the Brewers scored. Like, was it ten runs in an inning? Yeah, was it like fifteen to seven or something like that? I'll have to go look at that. Uh, so this guy inspires the bats. Uh, fifteen runs—that's what it was. The Brewers overcome dis- disastrous debut by Aaron Ashby, score fifteen unanswered runs to sweep the Chicago Cubs. Many could go back to that moment, Rowdy, and say that's when the Cubs were officially broken. Because uh, I'm pretty sure the Cubs then went on to. Now, in that series, was that the second? That was the last. The game. last game, because the one in the middle was the pitchers' duel, and the one before that, the Brewers scored ten runs in the eighth inning. Yeah, and they crushed them. Yeah, God, that's that was, when the, that was a sweep of the Cubs. That's when the Cubs got broken. That's when the Brewers officially took the Chicago Cubs and broke their back, like Batman and Bane in uh, the Dark Knight Rises. Yeah, that was the last series in June, but. Uh, if you remember with Aaron Ashby, yes, he was a top seven prospect for the Milwaukee Brewers going in. He was a guy that had been lighting it up early, early in May for the minor league season as a starting pitcher. And then if you remember, they moved him to a to a relief, relief position role, yeah. because of hoping that they might have to use him at the end of the year with Milwaukee, kind of like they've done in the past with the Brandon Woodruffs of the world, with the Corbin Burns of the world, with the Freddie Peraltas <laughs> of the world, how they've used a lot of those starters coming up yes. out of the bullpen when they're uh, first in the big leagues. That was kind of the plan where if they used them, that was going to happen. Well, he was also a guy that in spring training, when he got looks, kind of turned some heads because he, he was throwing the ball really, really well. Yeah. Well, now he's back in a double header, and I'm going to say I'm glad the game was canceled last night. Tell me more. Well, I mean, if you think about it, the Milwaukee Brewers bullpen is completely is just completely taxed with all the use that it had over the weekend against the Giants. Plus, on top of that, we know that they have a ton of COVID, yeah. which they yesterday, some guys coming back. Yeah, some yesterday guys coming back. before the game, they activated Hunter Strickland, which is the first pitcher that they would have activated from the COVID list. Yep. And then the report out there was the fact that they were going to activate Hunter Strickland yesterday for the game against the Cubs. And then uh, Jake cousins today for the second game against the Cubs. Well, I'm going to imagine that Jake cousins also gets activated today. So you're going to have two more fresh arms off that IL from the COVID. Plus you're going to have Ashby throwing. Who's a fresh arm because we know that the starting pitching has been hurt. (laughs) First we'll we'll mention how Brett Anderson had his calf cramp. Yep. You had Eric Lauer, who's got COVID. You got the Rones. You had Adrian Hauser that got COVID. Well, that's three out of your six-man rotation that you've been rolling with for about the last two months. All that leaves is Brandon Woodruff, who threw on Saturday. Mm. Freddie Peralta, who's already going to throw the first game today. And then uh, Corbin Burns, who threw on Friday. 
Uh, obviously, those those latter two in Burns and Woodruff, they aren't going to pitch in this series. They're they're no. not going to be ready since no. they already threw. So that means you have Freddie Peralta, and then you're kind of looking around like, who the hell are we going to have pitch? Our our oh. six man rotation is now three. So Ashby's going to go out there. And by the way, <laughs> since they they um, since they brought him back down yeah. to AAA, they must have kind of thought that hey, maybe this. Uh, Ashby as a reliever, maybe it's not a thing. So he's been throwing more innings again lately as as like a starting pitcher. Yeah. So I'm sure he's got more uh, stamina ready to go for this start. But uh, but on top of that, you're gonna get those two guys back healthy. Mm-hmm. And what do we know about the double headers, whether we like it or not? Seven innings, Rowdy. There's seven innings. So instead of having to play, which is good for the Brewers in the bullpen. Yeah. Instead of having to play nine innings last night, nine innings tonight, or potentially two nine-inning doubleheaders like you would have pretty much every single year in baseball history outside of 2020 and 2021. Yep. They're not playing 18 innings tonight. They're playing 14. We know that Freddie Peralta could very well throw a complete game today. I mean, seven innings. He's thrown that. Yeah. He's he's gotten there. He can get there. Watch, he's got a no-no working in the fifth, and Craig's like, yeah, I'm going to pull him. He's thrown the ball really well against the Cubs, where obviously we we know that he's got an ERA just in general in the low twos. I'm pretty sure against the Cubs this year he's got an ERA in the low twos. So, I mean, he's thrown the ball well. He could eat up almost an entire one game, and then you just have to figure out a a seven-inning game in the uh, nightcap. I think this helps the bullpen, especially a a bullpen in the starting rotation. That uh, all of a sudden COVID had just ravaged so, yeah, to Rowdy, was, he's just talking about Hunter Strickland was reinstated from the 10-day IL. Uh, Blaine Hardy was optioned to AAA Nashville. Then Jake Cousins cleared his re-entry testing, and his activation is imminent, says Craig Council. And then check this out. There's some more names about to be coming back, too, as Council is talking about this. Third baseman Travis Shaw, who went down with that right shoulder injury, got a long time ago. He is actually now eligible to come off of the IL. But Council then was talking about uh, said Shaw and first base Daniel Vogelback, who had that left hamstring pull seemingly a long time ago, uh, will continue their minor league rehab assignments. So uh, Vogelback is mashing for the National Sounds, right? Rowdy's like betting like upper, wasn't 360 something last time I checked? Yeah, like 367. Last time I checked, Vogelback was crushing the baseball. And then on top of that, Shaw had just gotten down there. I think this was either late last week or it was over the weekend. Shaw had a two home run game. Yeah. So, I mean, both of those guys have been hitting the ball well in their time at Nashville. And that was the thing. We knew that the Milwaukee Brewers, especially what they've shown so far this year, they've been extremely deep. Whenever they've had to go to another guy, the next man up mentality, that guy has produced, right? Or that guy has been able to carry the team for at least a week. Whether, Whether that be Travis Shaw in April, whether that be Tyrone Taylor or Billy McKinney, whether that be Jace Peterson, whichever guy randomly gets called upon that needs to play, they end up playing and playing well. Well, that was the thing. It's like, what is David Stearns going to do with this Milwaukee Brewers roster once everyone gets healthy? Because Vogelback had a bad hamstring strain, and we know that Travis Shaw's shoulder was pretty bad where they almost thought he might need surgery. Turns out he didn't. Yep, just but, a long uh, stint on the I.L. Yeah, I think, uh, was it today? Travis Shaw, it was the earliest he could have came off, was either today or tomorrow. It was, um, let's see here, Council asked about it last night. Uh, he was eligible to come off the aisle last night, according okay. to what I'm reading right here. So because he was, because Council was asked about it. it was right it. around the 10th. Yeah, it's, it's either, it was, it was either today or yesterday, because Council was asked about it last night. 
Uh, but yeah, he's he's ready. The mayor, Ding Dong City's ready. But now, what do you do with the roster? You can't keep them all. No. And Daniel Vogelback Rowdy in the uh, sounds is batting three eighty one right now. That's yeah, pretty he's good. Crushing the baseball. But good. then, but then you're like, well. Um, is he going to come up and play first base? Yeah, he's crushing the ball, but there's a guy named uh, Rowdy, Rowdy Telez Rowdy. Who who's on fire. has been crushing the ball. He's hitting over 300 as a brewer. He's also a left-handed stick, very same side of the, the plate as Vogelback. Plus, he plays better defense because he's a natural first baseman, yep. not a DH. Yep. So, so what do you do there? Because the guy named Rowdy that everyone's fallen in love with, Rowdy, he's, Rowdy, he's there Rowdy. in producing. And uh, on top of that, it's uh, what are you going to do when September call-ups happen? Oh, we because got some, this is a good problem to have, though, isn't it, Nelly? They, well, yeah, but the Brewers are <laughs> the Brewers have to figure out how the hell they can get to the September call-ups. Which, in all of the years, it would have been forty guys. It would have been for the forty-man roster that could come up and play in September and and help the Milwaukee Brewers be flex, flexible. We saw that in 2017, 2018, and 2019 under Craig Council where they really expanded and used a bunch of players, mm-hmm. and they had great Septembers, right? Yep. Now, all of a sudden, when the Brewers were having a lot of success, not only with the pitching changes, but also with the expanded rosters, Major League Baseball goes, no, 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 no. Not happening. We're changing the rules. So now expanded rosters, you only get, I believe, two additional roster spots. God, it's such a anti-Brewers rule. It's so stupid. Let the Brewers live, Major and League I, Baseball. You'd have to imagine with how the bullpen has been the last couple of weeks and how it's going to be, you would have to say, for the perceived next week or so until they get all these guys healthy. Yeah. Well, one, it's going to be a, a good uh, breath of fresh air for those relievers in those arms if anyone was worried about them. It's a nice little break in the middle of the season where you can say, hey, at least they got to rest for a two-week period. Sure, 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 sure. sure. But also at the same time, you'd have to imagine that they're going to go at a minimum for those extra two spots, one reliever, one batter. I think probably most likely they'll go two relievers, but who knows? I could, I don't see them going two hitters for those extra two spots. Yeah, we got some time to think about that, but right now there is a good problem to have for the Brewers. What do you do with all these guys coming off the IL? Well, it's nice for the bullpen because it can send some of these bums down that were just... Bumming me out when I watched him pitch. Well, here's the thing: a lot of those guys, like the Sal Romanos of the world, yeah, they're not major league baseball or the, major league baseball level. The John Axfords. Now, granted, he's done for the year with an arm injury, but a, those type of guys that came in and pitched, all of those guys, I'm sure, because they're on the forty man roster. Once these guys get healthy and come back, if they have to switch up the forty man roster, mm-hmm. a lot of those guys are going to get DFA'd. And I'm going to go out on a real limb here and say none of those guys are actually going to get claimed by any yeah, other I don't, team. I don't think so, Therefore, either. they're going to take minor league assignments or be straight up cut. So I don't think most of these guys will be seen or heard from again. The fact that uh, we saw these guys, though, Rowdy, and the Brewers are still first place in the NL Central and able to navigate what was going on is uh, nothing short of incredible. In fact, last night with the Brewers not playing, the Cincinnati Reds finally lose a game. They fell to the Cleveland Indians, soon to be the Cleveland Guardians, 9-3. to So the Brewers now are five and a half games up on the Reds in the NL Central. Brewers obviously still 20 games above five hundred, And uh, we got that doubleheader today. So thank God the, for the, uh, the soon-to-be Guardians, Rowdy. The Cleveland Indians getting it done 9-3 to over the Cincinnati Reds. I'll take that because we were just begging for the Reds to lose a couple games.
Well, they lost one. Yeah, let's, let's get some more losses under their belt. That Indians matchup once again was against a team that was under five hundred until they won that game. Now Another at five hundred, fifty-five and fifty-five. Uh, more stuff to talk about today. Yeah, that Cleveland team basically quit on the season too, and you know that right when Terry Francona says, "Yeah, yeah," what's, did anybody say what's wrong with yeah, him? Yeah, I think he had some health, health yeah, issues. Yeah, I saw that, but was it anything like? But he also said, "Yeah, uh, I'm done for the year." Yeah, he's like, "I'm out of here." But you know what starts because. Actually, that that game with the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds last night—that's not a scheduled game. That was a one-off game. That was a makeup from like. Oh, that May. was a makeup. So now they actually start a series t- tonight in Atlanta, where Atlanta's been playing good baseball. Well, the Braves want to win the division too. Atlanta's been extremely hot, and it's basically with the Mets falling off here, which they've looked yeah, like complete they're third ass. Now the Mets are. Uh, it's pretty much the Phillies and the Braves now in the driver's seat in that division with the Mets falling apart. Yeah, the NL East, Phillies uh, sit at Supreme, then the Braves are two games back, and then the Mets are two and a half games back. So the the Braves obviously want to make up some ground on the Phillies. So go, I guess, go Braves. Nice nice thing for the, or for the Milwaukee Brewers and being a Milwaukee Brewer fan is that now the Cincinnati Reds, they have three games with the Atlanta Braves, who, like we said, they've been really competitive. They've actually been playing really good baseball, believe it or not, they since uh, division. Ren- uh, uh, Acuna went down with a, a leg injury, ACL, and since the All-Star break. And nice for the also nice for the Brewers. That was a scheduled day off for the Cincinnati Reds uh, at the beginning of the schedule on uh, August 9th. Well, actually, it turned into a makeup game. And now the next time... The Cincinnati Reds have a day off is August twenty third. Whoa! They go from, yeah, yeah. They go from playing the Twins at home on August third, and their next day off isn't until August twenty third. That's twenty Hell days yeah. in a row. Hell we yeah. remember we were talking about the Brewers early in the season when they had, uh, especially in those first couple months where they had those long fifteen and sixteen games. Yeah, those long stretches. Row. Yep. Well, they only have one more of those left, and that's a 16-gamer that starts at the end of August and runs into the beginning of September. 16 games, eh? Well, the Reds are on the uh, on the start, or in the I guess in the middle of a 20 games in a row Ooh, since they had that makeup wee. game last night. Yeah, let's go I'm Braves and us. anyone else going against the Reds. I'm totally here. And for especially it. when the, the let's next, go baby. The next six games on the road are against Atlanta and Philly, two teams that are hot and they're right in the division race. So they're not uh, they're not two terrible teams that are just going to give away games. Let's go, baby. Hell yeah. It was a story that you know I was hoping would die off, uh, but now we actually have some comments from a player uh, when it comes to you know the Alondo Tucker, Greg Gard, Wisconsin Badger basketball program. It was something that's like, okay, this happened. Let's kind of move on from it. I'm not really going to hear much from anybody. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, actually... Jonathan Davis, there's uh, audio of him now. He uh, spoke to um, a station up in the La Crosse area, uh, WXOW up there in La Crosse. And I I found the clip, and what he was saying, I thought I wanted to bring it up on the show today and talk about it because he kind of gives a little peek into the Wisconsin Badger basketball program, especially when it comes to Greg Gard. So, uh, you know, we were always wondering, like, what – the ramifications of what happened was going to be, you know? Mm-hmm. And Jonathan Davis was asked about if he wanted to transfer, if he didn't want to be with the Wisconsin Badgers anymore. And he, he, he kind of pulls the curtain back a little bit. So take a listen. There's two clips I'm going to play. Uh, the first one is uh, just is Jonathan Davis. Well, both of them. It's Jonathan Davis speaking 
just in a gym. People have a shoot around going on. He's wearing the Team USA basketball as they won. Uh, what was it? They won the FIBA championship, the U19 FIBA championship. Yep. So here's Jonathan Davis talking kind of about you know the leak, the meeting in February, and the kind of the temperature of the program right now. Um, I knew there had been some issues going on with the team prior to that. Um, I definitely don't think the video should have gotten leaked. It was wrong for the person to do that. Whoever did it, I don't know who. Um, that stuff's supposed to be kept private, just between the team. But, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the seniors shared how they felt about the coach, and Coach Guard knows that he's got some things he's got to change. So how is your relationship with Coach Guard? What did he maybe have to say to reassure you that this is where you need to be? Uh, you know, you know, he's done a much better job of that. Uh, he's making sure, you know, get meetings constantly with new new incoming freshmen, new recruits, uh, transfers, all that stuff. So, you know, I'm like I'm liking how our team's looking this year. Coach Guard's getting on top of his stuff. We just got a new assistant coach, Coach Reef Shambliss. He used to play at Wisconsin. Uh, you know, he's a good replacement for Orlando Tucker, so I'm satisfied with what we got going on. So he says that Coach Guard need, knows he needs to do stuff better, and he's doing stuff better. So obviously there's open communication going on. There was something he said right here. Team. But, I mean, you know, I mean, this, the seniors shared how they felt about the coach, and Coach Guard knows that he's got some things he's got to change. So right there, knows some, he knows uh, some things he has to change. Yeah. He also didn't sound too upset about losing Orlando Tucker. No, not yeah. at all. Uh, there is another clip really quick before we react to both of them. Uh, Johnny, Jonathan Davis' response about uh, if he considered transferring or not. The reason why I went there was to, get to be able to play with my brother, stay closer to my family. Um, you know, it's not necessarily the whole program. It's, you know, just coach guard, just some little things with coaching, talking with the players, making relationships. Um, but, no, I never once thought of leaving the program because I wanted to be closer to home. And, you know, I'd rather, rather go through a little bit of adversity than switch it up. So he, again, talks about how Coach Guard has some things he needs to change and is changing them. That's, that's good. It's a good thing. Yeah. That there's open communication, and uh, it seems like the players, are, or Jonathan Davis, is satisfied of what's happening in the program. Right. And honestly, we talked about it when all this stuff broke. There should be that kind of open communication. If you can't have those kind of conversations with your head coach, your head coach is probably shouldn't be a head coach. Yeah, you've lost the program. Yeah. But like he also said, that – that's a private team meeting never should have been released. Yeah, and to Rowdy's um, point, he didn't sound like he's too lost or sad about losing Alondo Tucker. Not at all. He doesn't sound too sad about losing most of the senior class either. <laughs> also, I mean, he's very an even-keeled guy. Yeah. He never really is too high or too low. But, yeah, I mean, doesn't seem too upset about anything. Just it really, it really If anything, doesn't. it's a good thing that uh, he's out there saying, yeah, Coach Guard knows he has some things he's going to fix, and he's doing that. I'm satisfied with it. Really excited about the team next year. Well, I mean, if you think about it, Jonathan Davis is probably happy because he's like, geez, thank God we got rid of like five 30-year-olds. They've been here forever. <laughs> now I can play more. Because <laughs> I should have been playing more last year. Yeah. yeah, there's no doubt about it. Jonathan Davis, I mean, very fair, even measured response from uh, the young guy. So it's I'm excited to see how Badger basketball rebounds from it and just kind of see what this team is going to be hopefully like. Hopefully they start rebounding. That's a, that's a good point. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't know if I'm excited. Well, I am excited because I love Badger basketball. But I'm I'm. A- we lost because you two lost the rebound battle. They're hurting my you feelings. Hurt my feelings. I feel, you can't say that. Well, since we're on that <laughs> basketball topic, I mean, there were a lot of rumors about uh, not only the seniors that were unhappy, but underclassmen that were thinking about transferring. And some of those underclassmen being big men. Yeah. And none of that has come to fruition yet. No. You're hoping that uh, Ben Carlson comes back from that back injury last year, which sidelined him yeah. for most of the season because he looked promising in uh-huh. his freshman year when he played. And, I mean, you ha- you have some pieces down low. It's just 
inexperienced. Right, and you have the transfer from Cincinnati coming in. Who? Yep. You got the guy from Wake Forest too. Well, I was talking about big. Oh, the big. Sorry, big, yeah, the big but yeah, uh, the guy from Wake Forest, and then uh, the kid from Mineral Point. Yep. Uh, Isaac back from UNLV. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, clearly, something Lindsay? happened there that led them to believe Greg Gard was a, a good coach and good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this this whole story is not as big as a lot of people made it out to be. No, I mean, what they they talked about having that kind of talk. Uh, well, some kind of talk before they went on that 8-0 run to end the, yep. the season two two seasons ago. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Wh- whatever it is. Uh, I just like this one person scoring, yeah. trying to bring down Greg Gard. The program was collateral damage. It, it'll hang over a little bit, a little dark cloud for a bit. But I don't think it's going to be as, as bad as everyone initially no, thought. No, this will be the new talking point instead of they're older than the Chicago Bulls. It's... <laughs> You remember last year? Hey, with they all had those a team signings that leaked out. With all those signings, I think they could have kept their near thirty-year-old uh, <laughs> seventh-year seniors and still been younger than the Bulls. Yeah, that's the, true. Now, if they were uh, somehow were to be older than the LA Lakers, that would be a thing of uh, <laughs> uh, craziness because the average age for the LA Lakers now is thirty-two point four years old. Hey, right? if they were looking yeah. to go for their graduate degrees, I think they could have made it happen. <laughs> they could have. Now they would be out of the Utah the, Jazz. Uh, were second oldest at 28, 28.6 years old. Jeez. Four years? <laughs> the LA Lakers. Yep. Pretty crazy. Carmelo Anthony doesn't look at it as an age thing, though. No. <laughs> it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Age is just a number. It's okay? just a number. My guy Rowdy over here wanted to talk Rowdy Telez. Rowdy on Rowdy. Rowdy. So, Rowdy, what was it that uh, you saw Rowdy Telez saying? I know you're searching for it right now. The research department's on it. When it comes to Rowdy Telez and the Milwaukee Brewers, got a doubleheader today against the Chicago Cubs. And it was uh, this, the question of the offense, right, Rowdy? The sticks, if you will. Yeah, so it was Rowdy Telez after he hit that uh, game-winning single, technically a single down the line Friday night to get that win. He was kind of talking about his approach and just w- what he was trying to do up there. Yeah. And I just thought it was perfect off of uh, what RJ was talking about earlier, if I could find this. Yeah, you go and find it, Rowdy, because, you know, looking at the Milwaukee Brewers offense, there was going through a stretch for a while where you're just like, what the hell are we watching? What is going on? They were worse than they were last year. And you got to think to yourself, last year I didn't think it could get any worse for the Milwaukee Brewers. And for a while there, it was really bad for uh, the Brewers, even worse than last year this year. But now they've turned it around. And uh, Rowdy Telez talking about the offense and, uh, you know, if – you know, being the top team in the NL and uh, them thinking that they're the best team in the NL. So here is Rowdy Telez. Let's, uh, thanks for the research department for finding. Let's uh, hear from uh, Rowdy Telez and then Rowdy Razor over here wants to discuss. It shows you uh, how many players we have that contribute and how deep this team is. You know, we have uh, bullpen arms. We have uh, uh, Christian Yelich. We have mm-hmm. our all-star uh, best closer in baseball. Josh Hader out. We have our some of our rotation. You know, we have we have guys. We have huge guys. Everybody's huge, but it just shows you how deep this team is, and and the will to wins there. It's not like we get knocked down with each guy. I mean, yeah, it's it stinks that we don't have these guys with us, but um, you know, we're here to win. We're a good team, and we have longevity throughout our entire uh, you know organization. I haven't been here long, but guys have came up um, and contributed in massive ways just in my short time here too. All right, so before we let Rowdy continue there, um, obviously talking about, and we've said this a lot, Nelly, 
How many people have gone up? It's now, what, 59 players the Brewers have used this season. It's an all-time franchise record. 59 players the Milwaukee Brewers have used, and it's only August 10th. There's, what, 40? The Brewers have, what, 50 games left? Yeah, 50. 50 games left for the Brewers. They've used 59 different players this season. And it's always been some person out of nowhere to help the Brewers along when there's been no Christian Yelich, there's been no Lorenzo Cain, there's been no Keston Hira, there's been no you know, insert name here. It's been this revolving door of players stepping up and being there for the Milwaukee Brewers at timely moments, right? Um, that's what Rowdy Plus is getting at right there. Uh, let's hear more from uh, Rowdy. Rowdy, what's your approach in that at that during the 10th inning? Just try and move the runner over, to be honest. I mean, um, you know, get a good pitch to handle. Um, looking for something that was closer to me so I could pull it. And, um, you know, I ended up missing that slider. But, uh, you know, into a two-strike mode, just trying to fight it off and snuck one down the line and got the job done. So, um, you know, that was, that was pretty cool. Um, but, uh, you know, like like Sudi said, it's it starts with the pitching. Um Bernsey came in and shut it down. Um, bullpen came in, shut it down, kept it uh, a tie ball game, and we were able to capitalize. And that right there is exactly what I was talking about. When asked what his approach was, he gave a nice, simple answer. Move the runner over. That's all he needed to how, do, right? How many times in the first couple months of the season did we see the Milwaukee Brewers when they had a guy on second, especially like in extra innings like that game? where you get a guy that starts on second, how many times were we complaining about, well, why don't they just move the runner runner over, whether that be with a bunt or whatever? And remember we had the huge discussion about how, well, is bunting worth it with the analytics, where if you're going for one run, bunting was worth it. But if you're yeah. looking to score more than a run, Bunting was advantageous or was bad for it. Was it. not advantageous like, it, it, yeah, for you. It, it's it's not something you want to do. So people, we had listeners going back and forth uh, about whether they should be bunting, whether they should be playing small ball. But basically, what Rowdy Telez right there said is his approach in that at bat when he came up with being the first guy up with no outs and the guy starting on second was simply just to move the runner over and give them an opportunity to score the runner. Well, yeah. that simple-minded, well, let's just move the runner over there. I'm going to take what's given to me. I'm going to hit the pitch where it's pitched. Yep. Ended up being a line, a liner down the line, which ended up being the game-winning hit. And it was awesome. And it was simple. And I know since Lorenzo came, came back, he's had some big, um, not only hits, but also had some uh, productive outs where he's moved runners over. And he said... I'm not trying to do too much up there. I'm just trying to move the runner over. Yep. I remember him clearly saying that in an interview. And it, it just, like RJ said earlier, the approaches at the plate have changed because now when a guy's at second and no outs or one out, they're no longer up there trying to hit the home runs where you have like the Christian Yelich's or the Keston Heroes of the world striking out. And then all of a sudden, instead of having a guy on second with one or none outs, you now have a guy still on second and like two or three guys in a row strike out. Yeah. yeah. Now all of a sudden you've seen it was like at the end of May, beginning of June, we've seen them lay some bunts down. We've seen them have productive outs where if it's a left-handed pitcher up there or a left-handed batter up there, they're just rolling over to the second baseman to move that runner over to third and someone else is coming up with a sack fly. Something to that extent. It's been more basic straight ahead 
older school baseball approaches and it's been working. They've been scoring more runs. They've been hitting better with runners on base. They've been hitting better with runners in scoring position because they're not trying to hit the damn long ball every single time. And I think it's clearly changed their approach. Now, granted in June, they played a, a lesser competition, but they were still playing professionals and still having success with a different <laughs> totally. uh, mindset. And it's carried over in July with yet another winning month. And so far in August, yes, they have a winning month of August. Hell since yeah. since they've changed this, they haven't Hell had a right. losing month. Right. Yeah. Yeah, they've been great. And, I mean, it's been and awesome. the hitting numbers have went up, whether that be average, whether that be hitting with runners in scoring position, whether that be runs per game. And it all... It all stems around that approach because it's definitely has changed since like late May. Yeah, yeah. I yep. mean, what we saw them to start the year being they led the NL in strikeouts bottom. and they were the worst average in the majors. Yeah. In the and NL. then all of a sudden, as the months went on, the average has gotten better. And everybody's like, "Well, everybody knew that was going to happen. It wouldn't have happened had they not changed the entire it, team's approach at the plate." Because last year, I know it was a sixty-game sample last year, but. It progressively got worse last year, and yeah. then it got worse this year than it did the year previous. I mean, you so you they had to at, do something. They you changed look something. At, like, well, and if you if Abby you Garcia's say, home run the other day, he golfed it out of there. That wasn't trying to hit a home run. That was just trying to make contact to to yeah, get on I mean, base. He was leaned over. Yeah, he, he almost hit it out with just one hand on the Pete. bat. <laughs> but I think an- another thing there is the fact that. You say that, oh, all these guys were going to get better. It was law of averages in the sport of baseball. Yeah, that could have been said like early on in the first couple months. Yeah. But here's the thing. A lot of those guys that have bounced back and started taking these different approaches and and swinging the bat well have. But what about the law of averages with Christian Yelich? He still sucks. Like he still doesn't look right. Brutal. Or how about the law of averages with Keston Hira? He's still outside of a week here and there still doesn't look right. Or granted Jackie Bradley jr. Has just had a pitiful (laughs) year swinging the bat just in general. And he has swung the bat better in the last couple months, but we're talking about raising a batting average from 150 to 175. Yeah. Like we're not talking about (laughs) all of a sudden a guy that's become a decent hitter or even hell a career 223 hitter, which he was going into this year. 175 still a hell of a long way away from 223. It is. But hey, they're moving on up. Avisel Garcia is having a really good year. Hell yeah. And just don't ask him to catch a fly ball. His approach in the last month has changed. You talked about that. Or even Colton Wong. And he's been looking Omar good. Nervaez are having some of their best seasons in the big leagues. Yeah. Or just other players in general. Like I think Luis Arias being able to play every day, that's one of his big things. But yes, there's a lot of guys that you could easily say, oh, the law of averages would kick in at some point. But for some of them, it clearly hasn't. Yep. Yeah, yeah. totally. Uh, Brewers are, I don't know if they're figuring it out, getting hot at the right time or what, but we'll take it. As um, we're going to have ourselves a doubleheader today. I just heard that quote on Friday night. That's a good one. And good I'm like, that just makes so much sense. He's literally up there with just a simple approach just to move the runners over. And when you do that and hit the ball where it's pitched, you can easily be more successful from going out trying to hit a home run every time. What? They're up 15 points. Or, yeah, 15 points since uh, two months ago. I and then it. I, it's it. Remember, I just remember. I don't remember what game it was, but it was when Kane came back. He's like, "I'm just not trying to do that much. I'm just yeah. trying to hit the ball where it's pitched." 
and that type of approach has been way more successful than trying to hit it out of the ballpark. This coming Saturday, the Houston Texans come to town, and the Packers have their first preseason game. <laughs> yeah, and it looks like we got a little clarification with Deshaun Watson. Yeah, what's going on with him now? I, I, uh, I don't think he's playing anymore. Yeah, is he? he had a meeting with like the front office and ownership, did I they, believe, and they, they said put him down? you will never be, you'll never play for the Texans again. I believe that's what I saw. Yeah, I saw that too. It's like Deshaun Watson will never take another snap for the Houston Texans again. So my question is, what's what so are they do? that answered my question that he won't be playing uh, scout team safety. Uh, let's see here. I saw, I just Googled his name. Sources say contrary to report that trade talks, uh, oh, they had a report that the Eagles and Texans were thinking about doing it, but then, uh, apparently they're not. Okay. So think about what the storylines are going to be for all the big J's out oh, there. Real quick. The GM for, uh, the Houston Texans said a half an hour ago at sports radio 610 in Houston that he does not expect Deshaun Watson to travel to green Bay this weekend. So there you go. So, Headli- headlines for the the big J because we saw what was it um, where they had these split squad practices where they had the Houston Texans in what was that uh, two years ago the... I think it was Lafleur's first year yeah remember what all the headlines were it was like oh first split squad oh uh, the floor likes it Aaron Rodgers doesn't really like it. And J.J. Watts here, and he, he wants to ride a little kid's bike because he remember doing it when yeah. he was a little kid. Yep, yep. That was like the headline. Yep. Well, let's look at it now in 2021. They can actually do it again because they were unable to do it in 2020 due to COVID. And now for this preseason game, you're not going to have J.J. Watt. So there's no J.J. Watt, Wisconsin storyline. Uh, their best player in Deshaun Watson is not going to take another snap for them, as told by their owner and front office. Yep, not traveling to Green Bay. And not going to travel to Green Bay. And there's really nothing else on that uh, Houston Texans team worth selling. I Who's think even st- on the team that's good? <laughs> I think the storyline now becomes... Well, it's obviously all Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love, and maybe um, you know Randall Cobb just played there well, last season. Rodgers isn't going to play. I don't know if Cobb, I don't know. A bunch of veterans are sitting out of the game coming up. I have comments from Matt Lafleur that we'll get to. Uh, Rodgers, there's no way Rodgers is playing the first game. But the storyline: Randall Cobb's former team, the Texans. Oh yeah, and Jordan Love's going to be starting. Yeah, playing. we'll have Jordan Love and Kirk Benkirk going getting after it. Uh, what other quarterbacks even on the roster anymore? There's. I there's, think that's it. I feel like there's one more. But well, they had they had at one point Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, Kirk, Kirk Benkirk, Ben Kirk, Blake they Bortles, had Blake Bortles. Oh, they cut that other guy too. Uh, they cut another guy, and they were in talks. Who was with, wearing uh, Randall Cobb's number? Yeah, they were in talks with um, Chad Kelly, who they oh, ne- yeah. ever Swag. never ended up signing. Swag Kelly. Uh, r- real quick, Rowdy, I'm looking at uh, this. Is just it makes me feel kind of weird. Uh, yesterday out of the Houston Texans practice, here is video of Deshaun Watson walking up to two female Houston Texans uh, like assistants, and they have him signing a bunch of balls. And then there's people in the stands, uh, women and men, some children, all like just desperately wanting a Deshaun Watson autographed football. And there he is throwing them to him as he after signing them. I don't know how much money you're gonna get for those uh, those autographs, but. Uh, Good luck, I guess. Try to make your money any way you can. So there you go. No Deshaun Watson coming to Green Bay. What a what a what a situation. You can still, you can still sell him. 
OJ's uh, memorabilia still gets sold for decent money. Hell, OJ tried to steal his memorabilia back, and that's why he ended up going to prison. <laughs> yeah. If you remember from uh, Las Vegas somewhere, and some like some was it uh, I forget what it was in some like museum or memorial case thing. He was back in the headlines the other day. Oh yeah, I mean his Twitter game is wild. Hey, speaking of Kirk Benker, golf comments coming up from uh, Matt Lafleur. But speaking of Kirk Benker, he tweeted this out yesterday. He said, "Okay, this is cool." The commissioner of a fantasy league asked me to sign $2 bills as the award for the two league finalists this year. That's kind of a crappy prize. No offense to Kirk, but just it's $2 bills. If one of these guys doesn't pick me up to ride the pine on the way to a fantasy championship, it's a disservice to the league. Good luck as he signed these $2 bills for uh, the fantasy football. Would you ever in any universe, Rowdy, pick up Kirk Benkirk on your fantasy football team? The silence is deafening. <laughs> Enough said. Neither would no. I. I would never do that. Sorry, Kirk. I know it's probably a joke, but no. It's... Yeah, no, thank you. How many rounds are in this draft? <laughs> Hopefully like 30. We could stash Kirk at the 30th pick or something. I think you're going to need to draft Kirk Bettenkirk in a fantasy draft. Man, 30 rounds? No, I think it's going to have to be close to 300. <laughs> Well, what if he signed some uh, money, some $2 bills for you? We wouldn't do him the honor of putting him on the... Th- I'd, I drafted Jeff Janis one year. He, he rode my bench. Yeah, but Jeff Janis actually, when you drafted him, got out there for snaps. Yeah, that's true. Do you believe Ben Kirk is going to touch the field? No, I don't. I think... It'll be th- Rodgers, then Love, and then, worst case scenario, Kirk. I think Green Bay Packers, even Excuse Green me. Bay Packer fans would probably turn off the TVs if Aaron Rodgers went down with an injury, Jordan Love went down with an injury, and they were down to Kirk Bedenkirk for the rest of the hey, season. Hey, I didn't turn off the TV for this. You know, statistically not great. I'll tell you that much. Brett Hundley, and I don't think I'd turn off the TV for Kurt. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, Brett Hundley, who says he's statistically not great. Yeah, we know that much. It's probably a Hall of Famer next to Kirk Bedenkirk. You know, statistically not great. I'll tell you that much. I think you're right. <laughs> like, like he at least looked good in preseason, right? No, oh, yeah, he was. Uh, there was a thought we could trade him for a third round pick. Do you maybe even a second? Brett Hudley just got signed. Is he with the? He's with the Colts. He just signed after uh, Carson Wentz went down with an injury. That's tough. Obviously, they were debating. That's tough. They were. De- hey, Philip Rivers That's got. Tough. Long time, great quarterback, probably a borderline Hall of Famer, says he's still staying in shape, waiting around, thinking about kicking <laughs> the tires because he's ready if a, if an NFL team needs him. Wink, wink, Indy, I was just there. Carson Wentz just suffered an injury. I'm here. They still decided to sign Brett Hudley, <laughs> and they have not brought Phillip Rivers out of retirement. So obviously he's wanted somewhere, even though he's been statistically not great. If... Uh, <laughs> Kirk Benkirk is not on the practice squad. I don't know how much interest there's going to be from other teams out there. He is actually really good at skateboarding. I know it's not only have to do with thing with football, but he did a shout out to Rodney Mullen as he was skateboarding outside of Lambo doing some old school Rodney Mullen tricks. I mean, he's maybe got a future in competitive skateboarding. Do people even care about skateboarding anymore? Don't they like fill in skate parks now? Yeah, it's only in LA when they're um, trying to make it so you can't go out and live your life. Uh, I think if you're under the age of. 16 you still get down with skateboarding i did see that tony hawk was like in his 50s that blew my mind he's the man i did uh last year i did or was it a year and a half ago i did get the new tony hawk's pro skater game that they kind of 
remade from the original 64 one. That was pretty cool. That's the last time I really cared about it. All right, so I have comments from Matt LaFleur coming up. Uh, he talks about, you know, leading up to the first preseason game here against the Houston Texans and does talk about Jordan Love. I want to talk about Jordan Love coming up here because this is going to be the first time that we've actually ever seen anything Jordan Love related besides throwing a ball you into a basket. J-Lo? Yeah, J-Lo. <laughs> As Rodgers was calling him, J-Lo, Cabo, J-Lo, Cabo, Cabo, Farvi. Um, the nicknames are out here. If you're Jordan the Love, the Farvi, Farvi's the one that buzzed. If you're me Jordan Love, do you want to go by J Lo? If he's J Lo, then who's Matt? Who are yeah? Who's uh? Who's Ben Affleck in this situation? I, I'd, I'd prefer to be like if I had to shorten it like J Love. J Love sounds better than J Lo. Yeah, J Lo. All I think is that South Park episode, Taco Kisses. Remember that one when Cartman. I'm not gonna say it. No, I haven't seen that one. You didn't see that one? How, you know you how, ever seen that one where J Lo's Cartman's hand? No, I haven't seen that one. What? You know how uh, when Aaron Rodgers first stepped onto the scene in Green Bay, obviously drafted in the first round, obviously drafted to potentially be Brett Favre's replacement, and he's coming in there and he's confidence and he's a little cocky, telling or I guess calling Brett Favre Grandpa. Yeah, we we remember. J, J. Lo, Jordan Love should have came up with the same type of uh, confidence and said, I don't go by J. Lo. I go by the man. <laughs> but, then, but, the then locker room. but then you also can't go out there and have the first video surface of you. It's like, dude, you suck. <laughs> the first video that surfaces of you from your rookie year is throwing it into the into the ground on a five-yard pass. You literally sat in a tracksuit for a whole year. The man. The only it would have been a tough man. sell, but it would have. I bet it would have uh, irked Rogers. The only person that sits around in a tracksuit routing says he's the man is anyone affiliated with the mafia. <laughs> I've seen Sopranos. It's like when you uh, know you got some presents under the tree, the Christmas tree, and it's just leading up to you know whenever you open your presents. I usually did Christmas Eve with my family, and then you know as a kid, Christmas Day. If you're on the nice list, Santa Claus would come. So Christmas Eve, it's like, like God, please get to like seven o'clock at night. We could finally you know, get done eating dinner and open some gifts. Rowdy, it was the, the wait leading up to it felt so long. It's kind of feeling like what we get with Jordan Love here. It's like this Christmas gift. You don't know what it is, though. I'm going to get the Stretch Armstrong I got when I was a kid that I loved, or I'm going to get the 3XL tidy whities that Crazy Aunt Carol gave me that never would ever fit me in my entire life. Like, what are you going to get, a good gift or a bad gift? It's a present that's been sitting there for quite some time. Haven't really got to open it yet, but Saturday night, uh, we're going to see Jordan Love, his first action as quarterback for the Green Bay Packers in, um, no, I say meaningful loosely. It's meaningful for Jordan Love. It's not meaningful in the grand scheme of things, but it's meaningful for Jordan Love because he didn't get any preseason last year. Man, just think about that. The first preseason or real glorified practice that Jordan Love has ever been a part of. And with fans remember, and well, he had Saturday fans in the stands. Remember when COVID had just had just hit the scene and everyone Are we was talking on, like early November when people were getting sick and not sure why? Or we're when, talking about when it officially did. When, okay, gotcha. Like in late March, mid yeah. to late March. And then all of a sudden we had nothing to talk about because the world stopped. Yep. And we were basically just hammering draft. And remember, our Thursday show was all, what are the Packers going to do? And then we had Robbie on. Oh, and yeah. He huh? said, oh, they're probably going to do this, I'll this, never and forget this. It. But don't, don't sell off on taking a Jordan Love, or I believe he even named Jordan Love. He did. 
or a quarterback if they were there and fell to them. Mm-hmm. Do not sell the Packers short that they wouldn't do that. And then it happened. And, and then that like, Friday wow. show, we had, uh, I would say, 90% of people blasting the pick and blasting Jordan Love. And ass-blasting Brian Gutekunst. But to think from from the 15 days to slow the spread in mid-March. Yeah, what are we, to, like 500 some days now to slow the spread? To the fact that Jordan Love is now in his second year and one, he hasn't, he hasn't had a preseason game. Two... He hasn't had, uh, he hasn't even suited up for an actual game. Nope. Or three, the fact that he had a weird uh, off season because of COVID after the draft. He had really no training or mini camp, and then all of a sudden they went into the season last year. Now this year, even the training and mini camp was a little weird, but they had it, and now he's finally starting to get into the the main training camp with the preseason games. The fact that it's been almost a year and a half. Yeah, it's crazy. And the guy hasn't even done all those things. This is now his finally his true rookie year, despite being his second year in the NFL. He finally gets a true rookie year. Uh, we're going to see him Saturday at our first time in <laughs> seemingly a year, forever. Almost a year and a half. Seemingly forever. All right, Rowdy, so... Jordan Love. Not really sure what we're going to get with this cat, uh, but Matt LaFleur got a little taste, uh, kind of, as it was this first time practicing in front of fans in Lambeau for family night. LaFleur talks about Jay Love. He had the one play where he scrambled out, too, and had one hand on the ball where he's just moving up in the pocket, and it hit his, his thigh pad, and he fumbled that one. So, you know, I think Ultimately, we just got to make sure he's doing a great job of, of taking care of that football because that's what typically is the biggest indicator in, in wins and losses. All right, taking care of the football, obviously turnovers huge in the NFL. If Jordan Love is out there throwing an interception, fumbling the ball, doing something that doesn't, you know, is unsavory. Packer fan, no, there's Packer fans and there's cheeseheads. Cheeseheads will be losing their mind. Can't believe that Rodgers is back for possibly one more year. And that we've, you know, mortgaged the future on a guy named Jordan Love and they'll want Brian Gutekunst's head on a spike. The more I think about this and the more we talk about Jordan Love and really getting to see him for the first time in live action on Saturday in a preseason game, the more I'm actually excited and, and want to tune in and watch yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not because, telling you. I mean, it's must see TV. We're, ta- we're talking to. People like Mike Clemens. We're talking to people like Rob Reichel that have been at these practices or that talk with people every single day that have been at these practices. And they say, man, Jordan Love can look like an all pro one practice and then he can look like a rookie quarterback the next practice. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we we've known that his his ceiling, he was probably a top 15 pick if he came out after his junior year. He went for his fourth fourth year, his senior year. Had the Gary Anderson experience, lost some of the better players actually to the NFL a year early that he was throwing to and that he had around him and was very inconsistent, but showed a lot of good traits. And that's kind of what we've seen, but we haven't been able to see him actually do it against actual competition against actual guys. That's why Friday or Saturday is going to be electric. And on, uh, even on top of that, it's a though, meaningless preseason game, but to get a little taste of Jordan Love, I just want to see what he looks like because we have all these rumors love about ball. how Aaron Rodgers is in his last year. Brian Gutekunst is ready to turn over the reins to Jordan Love. All of us are just speculating. None of us actually know how good Jordan Love is because we've no never way. seen him. Are you serious, Rowdy? 
And we mean they're just speculating on this guy. Packer fans are obviously going to freak out or get a little excited when they say, "Wait, what? They're going to turn the the reins over to Jordan Love when we have a guy that's coming off an MVP season and we've never seen him play and when I've seen video of him, he's throwing it into the ground. How the hell are they going to do that?" Yeah. Well, how about this? How about a guy that's been there and seeing it and Matt LaFleur? Because I wanted to play another comment from him. Matt LaFleur talks about Jordan Love again and what happened on Saturday and moving forward as the Texans come to town. The one thing that we'll make sure that to keep pressing on to him is the tempo in and out of the huddle, up to line of scrimmage, making sure the communication's on point. There are a couple times where he may have gotten a bad play call in there in terms of how we set the formations, and he's got to be able to figure that out and, and get everybody lined up so we can go out there and execute. So, I mean, LaFleur talking about he's doing good things, doing bad things. It's, you know, growing process. Again, it's his first, really his first, I know this is his second year, but this is his first kind of time in actual preseason mode. Last year was robbed of everything. Uh, breaking news, Rowdy. You're going to have to help me out here. The King on Twitch says, just this just in according to WBAY out of Green Bay. Country music star Jake Owen will perform during Green Bay Packers kickoff weekend. Who is Jake Owen? Uh, he was a guy that I think he really started coming on the scene probably, man, closer to a decade ago now is when I was like in high school. Which you got to tell the people what year that is, though. 2010 to Jake. I've never heard of her. Him. Sorry. Jake Owen. Never. No what idea. is it? Barefoot Blue Jean Knight, I think, was his first big hit. I haven't heard any new stuff. I don't actively go out searching for it. Uh, this would be Jake Owen, Barefoot Blue Jean Knight. Sounds like riveting. Let's let's give it a listen quick. A full moon shining bright. Edge of the water we were feeling all Why is country music devolved into a, how can I sound more, sound more hillbilly than the next guy? And the beer is ice cold. Is ice cold. <laughs> yeah. There you go, Rowdy. Jake Owen. Are you jamming this in 2010? Makes me think of uh, one buddy's house. I hope that's uh, good memories. It was. Where you guys cruise to the riverside. Yeehaw. No. Andrew, is that you, my friend? You make me get out of bed. You make me make a phony phone call to Edward. Hey. Hey, uh, I'm. I can admit it. I got really caught up in bagging on the Chicago Cubs that I almost, almost, almost forgot to give you a jingle. Instead, you reminded me, and here we are. I, it, I, I hate and loathe the Chicago Cubs, Andrew. So I got caught up in the moment. Okay, I do apologize for that. I don't. I don't get the hatred for the Chicago Cubs. I, I just. I don't get it. Well, here I can I, explain it, it to you. My perspective. Mind. Can I explain it to you? My perspective. Sure. I don't. It's the old guard, like, you know, when the, the Braves, the Milwaukee Braves left and someone had to, you know, gravitate towards something at WGN and all the old timers are like, well, I guess I'll cheer for the Cubs. Like, I have no qualms against them. No problems right there. And what I can't stand are the people that I saw wearing Milwaukee Brewers gear they're in almost their entire lives uh, that are on my age. And then once the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, all of a sudden they're wearing Chicago Cubs gear. I'm like, just yesterday you're wearing a Brewers shirt. Now you're walking around like you've been a Chicago Cubs fan your whole life. Like your nose is in the air. Like you're better than everyone else, despite you know you just being just a terrible bandwagon fan. That's the thing that bugs me. That's what bugs me, Andrew. The thing, the thing that I, I like to point out to people and good morning, good morning, welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like. The way that people in Wisconsin 
look down and, and cast their noses at Cubs fans and Cardinals fans is the way the rest of the universe looks at Wisconsin when it comes to Packers fans. Like, Unbelievable. That is exactly how the rest of the world... I thought world we all looked at that like Cowboys fans. I thought we all looked at Cowboys fans like, you're the no, scum of the earth. No, 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 no. That's how everyone outside of Wisconsin looks at Wisconsin when it comes to NFL fans. So, so just Andrew, keep that in mind. Keep, well, I will, but I'll still continue my hatred of the Cubs. Let me ask you, though, as a fan perspective, do you have a, a team or organization that just gives you the heebie-jeebies? <laughs> Unbelievable. I meant baseball. <laughs> no, I really I, – I don't have any really rooting interest. I mean, you cover it for so long. Listen, I'm a big believer in that if you are a reporter, if you're covering a team or a sport, you can't be a fan. And I know that there are people who think that that rule – no longer applies well it does like i just i don't have a rooting interest at all you become jaded i, I root i it's not even that i, I root <laughs> i love baseball i absolutely love baseball i root for a fast game and one that lends itself <laughs> to a good a good story that's about it okay I'd i like do, to get I do home like the fast and games. see my dog and you know have a whiskey and you know i do like that, the fast that. games and the only other thing that bugs me about cubs fans is when you know they got their hairy backs and their gold chains and they smell of like jacquard noir and they're dragging their knuckles around an american family field and just thinking like they own the place when they're in our fine beautiful state of wisconsin and then they treat us very poorly in our own uh, stadium but hey that should so be in brewers out, that should be in brewers fans car uh, Dracar Noir. For, for, for preferred stock, and you've got Lambeau Field. There it is. <laughs> hey, Andrew, uh, speaking of the Cubs, though, let's talk uh, what's happening. Last night, dude, the, the storm of the century looked like it was going to roll in. Did it not look like the set of Ghostbusters over Wrigley Field last night? <laughs> Hat tip to my boy Adam McKelvey and Todd Rosiak. And Adam had, Adam's always good for, for a well played tweet. But he just posted a picture of the field that said, there's no Dana, there is only Zool. <laughs> and I thought, man, that is, you, you could just hang up Twitter right there because you'll never top that. There it is was only Zool. Freaky. It was very freaky, I was waiting, dude. I was waiting for the Statue of Liberty to start walking down, down Waveland Avenue. Like, it was, it was pretty nasty last night. I'm glad everyone's safe because, listen, we joke about it, but there are some pretty, pretty serious, dangerous storms in that area. You know, and that's a tough call. Like, you've got a stadium full of people. Yeah. You know, the Wrigley Field isn't like the Alamo. There's no basement where Pee Wee's bike is hidden down there. You know, that was that was a, a, a pretty nasty situation. I wish they would have called the game a little bit earlier. Right. But, you know, there's not much you can do at that point. They, they figured it out. At least we didn't have the uh, the giant Michelin man walking around, too, and with that storm and Zool, you know, out there doing his thing. Hey, let me ask you then, brother. <laughs> so, Freddie Peralta obviously was supposed to start. Now it gets uh, tabbed for today. Uh, Freddie Peralta on the mound. Um... Um, it's not Freddie Peralta I want to ask you about. It's the next game. Aaron, Aaron Ashby. Ashby. Yep. The debut of him, what, June 30th against the Chicago Cubs. Brewers come back to win 15-7, to score 15 unanswered after giving up seven in the first inning. Aaron Ashby, what do we think, what are we expecting for his second appearance in the majors for this uh, young pitcher? Is it going to be I as mean, bad? you, you got to think he's got, the, he's got the, the, the butterflies out of the gut now. Listen, the kid's a good pitcher. He's a really good pitcher. If you look at what he's been doing in the minor leagues, especially his last time out, the kid is right on par. He's the next in that generation behind Burns and Woodruff and Peralta. You know, that's exactly what they think of him. And we've seen this with young pitchers. They'll come in, they get knocked around, fine, then they come back and they settle in. 
I, I think he's going to be very good. It's today the day that he starts being very good. You kind of hope so, but you know, you don't really know what to expect. His track record in the big leagues, horrific. His track record in the minor leagues, absolutely spectacular. So, you know, here's the hoping that this is his day because they've got a lot of high hopes on this kid. Yeah, uh, Brewers bullpen, man. Uh, obviously, it's noted over the weekend that, uh, there, you know, a lot of mistakes, a lot of dumb errors cost the Brewers the uh, series win over the San Francisco Giants. Uh, but looking at this Brewers bullpen, is uh, Hunter Strickland is back, correct? And is Jake Cousins back yet? Uh, they, I think they were expecting him back today or tomorrow, uh, I believe is what, what Craig was saying during the uh, – during the free game gaggle yesterday, you know, they need to just get him. It was different for Hunter because, you know, he was, when he got tested positive, he was able to go back home. They were in, they were in Atlanta, I believe, when it happened. He's from not far from there. So he had turned his, his garage into a gym for his off-season routine. So he was able to, you know, keep pitching, keep doing his work. Uh, Strickland, not so lucky. So I think they needed him to get a little bit more workout. So again, if it's not today, it'll be tomorrow. But you know, he'll be back soon, and that's that's a huge boost because we saw over the weekend just mm. how valuable the back end of those goaltend guys are for the Brewers. Yeah, definitely. Andrew Wagner joining us right now. I do have to correct myself. The research department just tapped me on the shoulder. They said you, I said Michelin Man when it comes to Ghostbusters. Stay exactly puffed this marshmallow, stay man. Stay puffed marshmallow. That is. Uh, the research department. What did you do, Ray? What did you do? <laughs> the research department always has my back. Uh, Andrew, so about this Brewers bullpen, obviously missing a lot of arms, and it it showed. What I know it's early returns on these new pieces the uh, David Stearns and the Brewers brought in, but what's the what's the early vibes right now on uh, Curtis and Norris who were traded for for uh, the back end of this bullpen? It's it's not good, that's for sure. Um, you know, it, it, I mean, Norris has had moments uh, where he's looked okay. I, I think it's too early to panic. Uh, I mean, and we've seen this. You know, guys are say what you want. Guys coming over to a different league. It, it's not. You don't have a book. You don't. You don't have the, the the history against these guys. So the hitters have the advantage because what might play to a group of hitters that you've seen countless times uh, is not going to play to a new group, especially, you know, for, for, for Norris and Curtis pitching the American League, it's probably been a long time since they've seen the NL West. So that doesn't help. And granted, they struggled in the series before that, too, don't get me wrong. I think they're going to be fine. They're both good pitchers. You know, David Stearns has, has, I think, earned the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. They're not going out and getting guys that are bummed. They're, they're just not. Jonathan Scope notwithstanding. Uh, they, they see something they like. I think once, once Chris Hook and the guys get, get a bit of a handle on them, you're going to start to be, see improvement. And, and I really think that before the year is done, you're going to see Curtis and, and Norris pitching some big innings. Uh, between now and the end of the regular season. Would you say, I mean, I like how you said we give David Stearns the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you can count maybe on one hand of all the bad moves he has made. Would you say if someone asked, if someone were to ask David Stearns, if someone asked him if he were a god, you say yes? <laughs> going right back. Going right back to Ghostbusters. Ray, if someone asks if you're a god, you say yes. I figured you'd like that. I figured you'd like that, Andrew. <laughs> hey, speaking of, speaking of gods, how about this? I saw... Um, God, I forget who it was I saw making the case on Twitter for it, but this guy has been a god for the Milwaukee Brewers, and no one who's been traded you know, in season has been able to become MVP. Can Willie Adamas make a case to be MVP? 
I tell you what, we haven't gotten our assignments uh, for voting in the BBWAA awards yet. But if I end up getting picked, because it's random, the members just randomly get assigned uh, what they're. I'll break it down. How it, how the voting goes is two members from each chapter vote for each of the awards. So we split it up in our group uh, between myself, Adam McCalvey, Tom Hondercourt, Todd Rosiak, our AP writer, Will Salmon from The Athletic. Um, if I end up getting MVP, you're going to have to convince me really hard that Willie Adamas should not be number one on my ballot. And my rationale in voting um, you know, obviously the, the guys that put up the best offensive numbers always get the guys that put up the best offensive numbers on a playoff team always tend to get the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But I look at the ballot and voting in a more, you know, literal way. I mean, the ballot says which player was quote most valuable to his team. And I defy you to find anybody in baseball who's been more valuable to their team than Willie Adamas has this year. Um, it, 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 you're going to have to come up with a really strong argument telling me that if you take Willie Adamas off this team, they still make the playoffs. So, I mean, I, I, I think he absolutely, he, exactly, he absolutely deserves consideration, if not the award itself. Uh, Andrew, you deserve an award for best coverage of the Milwaukee Brewers, obviously. We're going to keep following along at by Andrew Wagner, Forbes.com, and all the other uh, the awesome publications that put you on whenever uh, they feel it needed, I guess. I feel like it would be needed all the time. Uh, but, Andrew, real quick, I know you're big into it. Your takeaway from the Olympics, that was. Man, it was pretty cool. I'm glad they, I'm glad they pulled it off, and I know I, I get the feeling some people would rather see sports crash and burn so they could say, ha-ha, I told you so, than actually enjoy it. But there are some really good stories out there. The competition was great. I still can't get over the dancing horses, especially Snoop Dogg's commentary oh, on it. That was awesome. Like it was like crip walking horses, like magnificent. What up, no, Cuz? He's crip walking, Cuz. I loved it. I love. I thought it was great. I, I'm glad they pulled it off. I'm really happy for the athletes. I mean, listen, these people train their whole lives for this moment. A lot of them have been there before. Some of them will be back, but for most of them, it's a one and done thing. So to miss out on that opportunity, you know, as a former Olympic medalist myself, I can tell you. But, I mean, it was, it was great to see. I, I love watching the Olympics. I love watching the world's best compete. I love the stories behind it. I love the goofiness behind it. So, yeah, it was, it was cool. I watched, I watched about as much of it as a human being possibly can. Until your eyes bled. Did you have a favorite sport? Handball? I am I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan of... Uh, of modern pentathlon because it's so ridiculous, and I, I love water polo, man. That's like that's where it's at. How long could you last in the water, Andrew? Treading if you were playing polo, dude. I'm a I'm a big fat guy. I ain't, I can barely last two minutes. You're not buoyant. You couldn't just you just float around there. No, there's too much. I, I had my liver replaced with lead to lighten the load a couple of years ago. <laughs> load. Oh, Andrew, we love you, man. Hey, thanks for uh, being Johnny on the spot and keeping me honest at uh, 902 when you texted me. I was like, oopsies. That's my bad, broski. I'm glad we could get you in and just absolutely dominate with all the Ghostbuster references and Brewers coverage, my friend. It's what we do best. It's what we do best. And I got a little uh, Ghostbusters theme song on your way out, all right? Well done. You the man, well brother. Done. We'll keep following along at hey, my Andrew Wagner. See you, bud. There he is. Andrew Wagner. Good stuff. Yeah, Freddie Peralta, Rowdy. I had no questions about Freddie Peralta. I know he's going to be a phenom. It's Aaron Ashby is the one that I had a lot of questions about.